0: It's the show the establishment warned you
1: about. That's right. It's the Dr. Tommy Show. Welcome back. Glad you're here. Broadcasting from the free state of Florida, in the heart of Florida, from Echelon Health Studios. Join us online at Rumble for streaming live, and also all of the podcast options are available at drtommy.com podcast. A lot of stuff to cover today. Climate change is everywhere in our world, and it's everywhere in the news uh, recently, apparently. And it's all, climate change is all, the, all over the news, whether you even know it or not. They slip it in there. It's kind of how they do things. Also, a little bit about uh, some transgender updates and also uh, COVID updates. And also, we're going to talk a little bit about this ongoing controversy regarding Donald Trump and whether or not he's going to be arrested or not. And what, are, what the different Republican presidential candidates should or shouldn't be saying about it. There's been a lot of virtue signaling about what, others should say about donald trump and his uh legal issues so first off i wanted to talk about climate change this is a uh, came across on the weekend this is from fox news navy secretary cited climate change as top priority as biden proposes shrinking the fleet so apparently the u.s naval secretary carlos del toro is saying that the number one priority for him is climate change. Now let's step back a little bit here. The Navy is the part of the military that has to do with ships. Uh, the Navy also is the part of the military that has to do with carrying around Marines when they need transportation. So it seems to me the the fleet would be very important. But according to this article here, uh, there's no mention of increasing the number of ships. Actually, they're going to decrease the number of ships. And then The reason why is apparently because of the the climate. And it says here, uh, as the Secretary of the Navy, I can tell you that I've made climate one of my top priorities since the first day I came into office, Del Toro said, in remarks at the University of the Bahamas. Uh, The U.S. Navy and Marine Corps teams has been working on climate energy security for a long time, and we are accelerating and broadening those efforts. Uh, We view the climate crisis much the same way as damage control efforts on a broken ship. Stricken ship. This is an all hands on deck moment. Uh, these people are absolutely insane. Uh, this climate fascination is nothing more than, as I can tell, a, kind of a doomsday cult on one hand, and on the other hand, it's a pure uh, bait and switch. So far as the people who are making the money are concerned, uh, this this climate change stuff. I mean, if you, if you follow it, it seems absolutely insanity the way that they go about attributing climate change to everything. I mean, the Navy now is saying that climate change is the number number one priority. And uh, it, there, there's, really, there's really no way to understand it other than to think that of it as a religion. And uh, I had an article here. I said that I was right here. It goes <clears throat> the Rasmussen poll. This is from uh, the Gateway Pundit. Rasmussen poll show 60% of Americans believe, quote, climate change is a religion that has nothing to do with climate. And that's exactly right. And then what it is, is climate change is a way for people to make money by using people who are fraught with uh, anxiety and concern about the climate. And this is Milton Friedman. This is from Liberty Pen YouTube video. And this is what Milton Friedman has to say about people that are like the uh, climate change aficionados.
0: So you have two classes of people the so-called do-gooders. You have the honest sincere people and they invariably end up being the front men for private interests they would never knowingly support. That's part of it. What's an example of that? An example of that are the 19th century Ralph Nader's who got the Interstate Commerce Commission established. They got the Interstate Commerce Commission established supposedly to protect the 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 consumer. No, no. They, the do-good reformers, the Ralph Nader types, were sincere. They were interested in promoting the interests of the consumers. And they were complaining that the railroads were monopolies and they were charging too high freight rates and we had to get the government in in order to, uh, to eliminate that exploitation of the consumer. But who benefited from it? The ICC was set up the do-gooder, well-meaning reformers went on to their next reform, and the railroads took over the ICC.
1: So that's how it happens. You get these do-gooders. These are the climate change people, the people out there worried about the climate, people out there marching in these parades, people that are uh, doing the right thing, not flying, uh, maybe uh, you know, showering in cold water, only only flushing the toilet for brown and not for yellow. Uh, these are the people that are driving around in tiny little cars keeping their thermostat on 80 degrees as um jimmy carter told us back in the uh oil embargo you should you know wear a sweater in the house if you're cold otherwise sweat your sweat your ass off if you're hot and all this is to do is to save the world meanwhile all these people that are talking about saving the world are these uh these special interests that are using these gooders to make a hell of a profit and we've talked about how much money is in this you know the estimates are up i think there's $35 $35 trillion or something like that they are trying to get people to invest in. And that's what you do is you get ahead of it. You build political pressure for some movement, and then you get ahead of it by investing in that movement. And, boy, you do you cash in. Look at Al Gore. He's a perfect example. I think we covered it last week. He's worth $2 million in uh, 2000. And now he's worth something like $30, 30 million or something of that nature. And it's all from climate change. He's a climate change uh, high priest. And so these people, they, they get these movements started, these social movements, these political movements, these quasi-religious movements started. And then, uh, you know, you build this uh, just social pressure to invest in certain industries. And then you just so happen to be the one investing in those industries and you make a hell of a lot of money. That's what this whole ESG is about. That's what all of ESG is about. Uh, is investing in the right things and fo- forcing society then to march in that direction so that you make a huge profit it says here uh rasmussen reports uh a majority of voters agree uh, with republican presidential candidates criticism of climate change as a religion that isn't all about climate uh found that 60 percent of u.s voters agree including 47 who strongly agree and this is vivek uh, rama recent statement they says climate change has become a religion that actually has nothing to do with the climate and he's exactly right and uh the climate change community as it were is like uh, uh milton Friedman said here those are the front men who are these do-gooders and these do-gooders are you know everybody out there who's concerned about the climate concerned that the uh, the seas are going to rise and and for good for good reason if i was really believed that the seas were going to rise and that my children were going to roast like marshmallows and i would be very concerned about the climate too but i know i see through this i see through it as nothing but for what it is is a way to scare people in order to march like i said into your direction to make a profit but these uh these these uh people who are these Frontmen unknowingly are enabling people to make lots of money. Uh, we got this thing here about renewables. Renewables aren't renewable. This is from American Greatness. And it's talking about renewable energy. You know, this whole um, movement is based on the theory that renewable energy is somehow better for the environment. And actually, it's the absolute opposite. Renewable energy, as it were, batteries and things of that nature are highly destructive to the environment, much more destructive than going ahead and getting stuff that's already there. So think about this on one hand. You have oil, which is underground right now, right? Or in rocks if it's shale. And it's, it's just there. It's, it's inert. It's not doing anything. We don't have to do anything to get it out except drill down there to get it. And our technology is such now that we can do this in a very safe fashion, you know. Uh, spare me the uh, spare me the uh, oil spill stories from long ago. Those are few and far between. That does not happen on a wide-scale basis. And the people that say they do are full of it. But what happens is you get oil that's locked away, hidden there by God or luck, however you want to look at it. And it's just full of energy. And we can pump it out of the ground. And we can take something that is basically doing nothing and transferring it into this miraculous energy uh, source, a source that just is highly transportable, uh, it's highly efficient. And and for the most part, if you if you if you don't burn it in your house, completely healthy. You know, this idea that CO2 is the gonna kill us is insanity. CO two is is uh been fluctuating in the atmosphere up and down, and up and down, over the over the years, ha- having very little correlation with the temperature. If you look at the um, uh, green, uh, for, co-founder of Greenpeace has a, a video up on this on PragerU, talking about CO two levels in the in the atmosphere and how how they really don't have anything to do with the temperature. And if they do have something to do with the temperature, it's very minuscule. So the idea that the the human out walking around doing things like Driving cars and and, um, and running air conditioners is going to be able to influence the environment so much that you're going to change the climate and therefore cause such a cataclysmic change that you're going to ruin life of humans is insanity. It is, it is a doomsday cult. Because if you look at the what, uh, what their ideas are, their ideas are to roll back emissions, okay? So we get to these CO2 levels. Uh, I think it was a in Primus article that I was reading, but there was a it was an article there was either article or video, but there was a uh, an expert he was talking about the CO2 levels. It was I'm pretty sure it was in Primus. And he was saying that if you look at the CO2 goals that they have, in order to achieve those goals, we would have to go back into a society that is pre-industrial, meaning before the industrial Revolution. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I'm not interested in doing that. Uh, If that's what it takes to save the earth, we might as well just go out in a blaze of glory because I don't want to go back to a pre-industrial revolution. And that's what this climate change is a regressive type of um, policy. If you go out and find the real true blue environmentalists, and I'm talking about radical, wacko environmentalists, what Rush used to call environmentalist wackos. They think that we here on Earth are doing nothing but destroying the Earth. And the Earth would be plenty good if all of humans, including the environmentalist wackos themselves, were gone. That's what they believe. They see Earth as a a place that was here, not by God, but by uh, aliens or happenstance or the Big Bang or whatever it is. And then humans came along and they just have ruined everything. And they would like nothing better than the humans to vanish well, guess what? I don't want to vanish and I don't want my kids to vanish. Environmentalist wackos may want that, but I don't. But what they're trying to do is mainstream this environmentalist wacko vision of zero CO2 or very su- such a low CO2 emissions that we will go back to in pre-industrial uh, revolution age. And they want that for our, our society. Well, yeah, I'm not going to do that. And, and the people that are living in the third world don't want to do that either. They don't want to go back to the p- where the part where they're dying from uh, exposure They don't want to go back to the the time when they they don't have electricity in their villages. They they like it, actually, the way it is now. Modernity is nice for them. You know, it's nice to live with running water. It's nice to live with uh, maybe some air conditioning even. That would be wonderful. And these people don't want to go backwards either. And I tell you who's not going backwards while the environmentalist wackos in this country are trying to make us go backwards. China. China's not going backwards. You know, they're not stupid. They know that we're stupid overall as far as the corporations, the government, as it is now, and, you know, the the ESG community and the banking community. They they all know that they're they're willing to do the things that are necessary in order to achieve some type of fanciful goals, whether it be climate change or uh, carbon emissions or whatever the case is. They are not going to do it. They're not going to take part in it. So while you're going to bear the brunt of it, uh, while you're going to get your stoves banned and and have to deal with all these other crazy nonsense uh, and pay and pay and pay. That's what the main thing you're going to have to do is you're going to have to pay. They're going to just keep marching their uh, happy way on the way they are building more and more coal fired energy plants and just continuing to kick our ass in terms of growing their economy while we're trying to regress. So that's what it is. It's a... It, but the thing is that we have to be, uh, like I said before, this these fossil fuels that we have underground are there, put there by God, or luck, however you want to look at it, and they're they're they are nice, they're great. What is not great? Cobalt plants or cobalt mines, uh, and the uh, the open mining that you have to do, the dirty awful open mining you have to do to get these precious metals and guess where these precious metals just happen to be these metals uh these these uh rare metals that we have to use to build these uh uh, batteries guess where they're at mostly they're in third world countries and guess what they don't have in third world countries they don't have the type of concern for the environment that you and i do here you know They don't don't really care if they pollute the water. They don't really care because they're third world countries. They're trying to dig out of a hole. They're trying to make money. And a lot of these countries, and including China too, um, not third world, but China is, is another place where you have a lot of these things. It says here from this article, Renewables Aren't Renewable in American Greatness by Edward Ring. It says, By now it should be beyond serious debate that, quote, renewable energy cannot possibly scale adequately to replace fossil fuels. Worse still, renewable energy sources are less sustainable than fossil fuels and cause more environmental destruction. Renewables also fail to offer significant reductions in carbon emissions, and in some cases, actually cause more carbon emissions. He talks about what we'd have to do to replace energy. Uh, I'm sorry, um, fossil fuels with electricity. He says, to begin with, hydropower accounted for 6.1 percent of the total of energy production in 2022. Hydropower is under relentless assault by environmentalists. And even if more hydroelectric dams could be built instead of demolished, which is the current trend, the best sites have already been developed. And it says here, uh, uh, merely electrifying the transportation sector in the United States would require total electricity generation nearly double. That's just the transportation sector. To electrify the entire U.S. economy would require total electrical generation to triple. To do this by using only wind and solar power would require the current installed base of wind and solar power to expand by a factor of 18. And the process would involve far more than erecting 18 times more wind turbines and solar farms than we already have. There remains as well as what's euphemistically called balance of plant. In the case of wind and solar, balance of plant refers to thousands of miles of additional high voltage power lines and utility scale battery backup systems. Since most parts of the United States, such as the densely populated Northeast, do not have reliable solar power and are not the windiest parts of the country, it would be necessary to transmit wind energy from plain states and solar power from the southern latitudes. At the same time, hundreds, if not thousands of gigawatt hours of battery storage would be required. And we don't have these batteries, guys. We just don't. It's not possible. It says here, there's copper, which for solar requires about 1000 tons per terawatt hour. That means that 50% of the renewables required to electrify the entire U.S. economy were via solar power, 14 million tons would be required. Total U.S. copper production is only 1.3 million tons per year. This is much more solar energy. I'm uh, sorry. This much new solar energy would use up 100% of our entire production of copper for 11 years. Okay? And that's just solar. That's just for the solar. Uh Plus, all those lines require copper. It just goes on and on and on. But the the point of this all is is not to say that it's a, it's a challenge or we're not going to be able to get there. The people who are investing in this type of stuff know they're not going to get there. But what they're hoping is that they're going to get their money before you realize that it's impossible. So before you're educated enough to realize that to achieve what's called the... Climate change goals in order to stop CO2, uh, to reduce CO2 down to what's manageable so that Greta Thunberg is uh, happy. They hope that before you realize that it's a fool's errand, that it's not going to happen, that they have made their money. And that's what this uh, SVB, uh, Silicon Valley Bank, got another article here about Silicon Valley Bank, and they were really tied into the uh, energy, uh, alternative energy production uh, gambit. And it says here, it says, this is from Breitbart. It says, nearly half of climate change companies in the United States banked with failed SVB. Half of the companies in the United States devoted to climate change and biotech banked with the now failed Silicon Valley Bank, leaving many of those companies looking for financial backers willing to take on the risk. It says, uh, what inspires a bank to disregard risk and shower money on products and services that nobody is clamoring to buy? They're talking about these um, uh, the, these windmill companies, these, all, all this stuff that's tied to climate change, battery companies, everything else. What inspires a bank to disregard risk and shower money on products or services nobody's clamoring to buy? One answer is easy money and misguided regulation, which washed dollars into the economy, even as it pushed banks like SVB to load up on sovereign debt, lulled by a, a Federal Reserve Fed belief that interest rates would stay near zero forever. The other, Washington handouts via President Biden's effort to engineer a climate industry that otherwise wouldn't exist. That's the key. Um, this is uh, this is excerpting from an article from Kimberly, Kimberly Strassel in the Wall Street Journal. And she says she argues the same Democrat led government that funded failed enterprises like Solyndra in 2009 stimulus managed by then Joe President Joe Biden is making the same mistake again. I don't know if it's a mistake. I think they knew exactly what they were doing. They're paying off their political allies. It's not a mistake. It was it was calculated. They knew that these companies aren't going to make it, but they knew that these people were going to give them street cred on this as far as the climate change community among their base That if they give money to Solyndra, because it looks like they're trying to save the earth by giving all this money to a a solar power company, when the solar power company goes under, uh, that that doesn't matter because they have already got their political capital from that. But that's the key is that you have to get your money while the getting's good. And this SVB bank, uh, I'm sorry, this SVB's um, Silicon Valley Bank apparently was in bed with a lot of these solar uh, climate change companies. This is from uh, back to the article from Breitbart from Joel Pollock, Nearly half of the country's bio and climate technology companies, many of them headquartered in this Bay Area, banked with Silicon Valley Bank. Last year, Silicon Valley Bank committed to investing at least $5 billion in clean tech industry. But even as the FDIC quickly stepped into guaranteed deposits following the bank's collapse, many companies have been scrambling to find new banks, open accounts, and reorganize payroll systems. To his point... Silicon Valley Bank was widely known for incubating ambitious climate and biotech startups and was a viable resource for new companies looking for a bank willing to invest in innovative and somewhat risky ventures. So that is how this is all tied in. So you see how all this stuff is neatly woven together in the backdrop of saving the earth. Uh, all of the all of the uh, stuff that they teach your children in school, all of the... Um, The stuff that you see, the propaganda everywhere. I mean, it's everywhere, completely everywhere. Everywhere is green. Green is good. And uh, if you don't believe that green is good, then you're a piece of crap. How dare you? That's right, Greta. How dare you? This is uh, interesting. This is, for those of you watching, this is from Time Magazine through the years. This is a different global warming and global cooling scare Texas, they've used so back in the 70s apparently i wasn't alive in 73 but in december of 73 it says time and it's got this guy on the cover and it says the big freeze and then january of 1977 again time this guy's bundled up the big freeze again april 77 we got a penguin here how to survive the coming ice age now this is all from the the global warming slash climate change community today, this is what they were preaching back then, and then it says uh, a new new cooling of America in nineteen seventy nine, and then here it goes nineteen eighty seven, change, the heat is on, so we're now we're on the global warming you see, and then April of two thousand one, there's a frying pan frying an egg, global warming. 2006, be worried, be worried, uh, and then 2007. It says here, global warming. Simply global warming. So, but now they've moved on. And that's climate change because climate change incorporates both global warming and global cooling. So, if you're having a freezing weather like we did this year, uh, it's global. It's climate change. If you're having droughts and wildfires in, New- in uh, California, it's climate change. If you're having record Rain in California like this year—it's climate change. Climate change is a good catch-all. Donald Trump is—you uh, know—he he and uh, Ron DeSantis have been going at it. Not so much DeSantis, but Trump going after DeSantis. But here's here's Donald Trump's take on DeSantis going to Iowa. This was on his uh, Truth Social post. He said, "Why on Earth? Farmers love Earth." Would the wonderful people of the great state of Iowa vote for Ron DeSanctimonious when he voted and fought to kill ethanol and will definitely do so if given the chance. Voted four times as a disciple of Paul Ryan to decimate Social Security and Medicare and to bring the minimum age of Social Security to at least 70 years old. He wanted higher. He will be in Iowa on Friday to beg for mercy. I supported ethanol, fired NAFTA and made USMA, USMCA and China trade deals. So Donald Trump is going to bat for ethanol. And Medicare and Social Security. We talked about that last week. The, uh, the, the, uh, how that's a, uh, nothing but a Ponzi scheme, Medicare and Social Security, and what needs to be done with those. But here we go to the, uh, the ethanol. So the ethanol, Donald Trump's coming out in favor of ethanol. And to his credit, he's not the only one. This is, uh, from reason.com, and this is from 2016. This was back when people were running. And, uh, the people who supported, Uh, Ethanol back then in Iowa. On the Democrat side, Hillary Clinton, uh, somebody else, and Bernie Sanders. And then on the Republican side, we had Jeb Bush, uh, we had everybody else basically, but Ted Cruz and Rand Paul, Marco Rubio, Donald Trump, John Kasich. So, ethanol is what you're forced to put in your car. Most of the time, unless you get ethanol free gas, which costs more more money, but which is smart to do if you have a a lawnmower, don't put ethanol based uh, gasoline or ethanol included gasoline in your lawnmower. It'll screw it up. Anyway, ethanol is a blend and ethanol's corn that farmers grow that we then burn up in our gasoline tanks and all for what? Guess what? Climate change, right? All to save climate change. Uh, or save the earth. So here's from uh, Iowacorn.org. It says, Flex fuel for vehicles and the fuel of the future. Ethanol is not only safe for your vehicle, it provides higher octane for cleaner engines, better winterizing, and overall performance. High-performance fuels are cleaner, burning, and environmentally friendly, reducing harmful hydrocarbon and greenhouse gas emissions. Growing corn for fuel makes Iowa's corn growers part of a global clean air solution. Flex fuel vehicles are designed to run on fuels from uh, regular, unleaded, super unleaded, and a blend of ethanol up to fi- 85%. Higher blends of ethanol have higher octane. Uh, blah, blah, blah. And it says here that the ethanol basically is, is the reason you should do ethanol is because it's going to save the earth. And this article, Reason, uh, basically goes on to talk about how ethanol is tax. It's a tax on motorists, and it says here uh, that you know nobody here was was willing to go on record at saying this except for on the Republican side, Rand Paul and Ted Cruz. Um, back in two thousand two, this is from the article. Um, it says back in two thousand two, Hillary Clinton, then a New York senator, accurately described uh, the ethanol as equivalent to a new tax and said there should be no sound policy, public policy for mandating the use of ethanol. She changed her tune when she ran for 2008 Democrat presidential nomination. And this time around, she's also keen on the ethanol mandate. So she was keen on the ethanol mandate. Uh, Donald Trump is still keen on the ethanol mandate. And this thing, this is this is called the renewable fuel standard. is a 2005 congressional mandate that forces Americans to buy gasoline mixed with corn-based ethanol. All for the benefit of the earth, because you know nothing is better for the earth than taking a field, wiping it out entirely, planting corn in that field, fertilizing that field, using water for that field, using a, um, a machine to go down, cut down that that uses ethanol or that's no, right, that uses uh, fossil fuels that powers that machine to cut down the corn and then process it and all the other things so you can just burn it up in your tank that's much better than just getting it out of the ground and putting it in your tank after you refine it it's much better to grow some corn and give it i remember i have chickens and i've had chickens on and off now for about 20 years i remember in 2005 when they started doing this the price of corn went up for feed for chickens and has been up ever since price of corn went up for chicken food and the price of corn went up for everybody's food that uh, uses corn for meat, for cattle, everything. The price went up. It's because we're burning our corn up in our gas tanks instead of feeding it to animals and feeding it to ourselves. But again, so this is the, uh, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't spare political party. Donald Trump is for. Mandates that make you burn up corn in your gas tank, and it screws up your gas tank. I'm sorry, it screws up your car. Ask your ask your uh, ask your mechanic about that one. Ethanol carries water with it whenever it goes, and uh, water corrodes, screws up your gas, screws up your engine. They have this thing that's more global warming, so they they said, oh, we're not going to ban your gas stove. This is from the Washington Examiner. Biden just made regulatory move to ban gas stoves. You just have, you have until April 3rd to comment. It says the radical proposal from department of energy is open for public comment. Uh, You have to, you have to uh, submit your comment through April 3rd. And it's basically saying that they have uh, identified there's a problem with gas stoves now. And the, the department of energy is conducting the gas stove grab through a rule that will impose Extreme energy performance standards on residential cooktops. The department's rule sets requirements for gas cooktops at the maximum technologically feasible or, quote, max tech level. Based on the Department of Energy's own analysis, gas cooktops at the max tech level represent just 4% of current market share and exclude all conventional freestand ranges. So talking about taxes, they're going to increase the price of your stove. You're going, to, you're going to want to cook on gas? Well, you're going to have to pay the price. Just like Obama said back in the day. You know, he, he's not going to outlaw coal-fired plants. It's just they'll be cost prohibitive to build them. Here we are again. Freebeacon.com. How Biden's new washing machine regulations could ruin laundry day. Biden's Energy Department last month proposed new energy standards for washing machines that would require new appliances to use considerably less water all in an effort to confront the global climate crisis. Those mandates would force manufacturers to reduce cleaning performance to ensure their machines comply, leading industry giants such as Whirlpool said in the public statement on the rule. They also said that they will make the appliances more expensive and laundry day a headache. Each cycle will take longer, the detergent will cost more, and in the, the in the end the clothes will be less clean. The proposed washing machine rule marks the latest example of the administration's turning to consumer regulations to advance its climate change goals. These people are psychotic. Those of you out there who think the government is not big enough or the government's doing a great job, you have to think about your life now and ask yourself this question. Is there anything in your life that you don't want the government to regulate? And if the answer is yes, then you should start standing against these things, because I can tell you, if you don't, there are technocrats out there, government bureaucrats, wannabes, who will regulate every aspect of your life, if possible, down to what you eat for breakfast, down to how long you exercise, down to what clothes you wear. Everything about your life is fair game if you will only let them. And you think that washing machines and stoves are the end of it? You are wrong. The next step will be air conditioners, I'm sure. And air conditioners will be monitored remotely to make sure that you're not exceeding your carbon footprint. It will not take that long. And all the companies that are around now that will be looking to cash in on this all these people that, you know, you have these things in your house, all these little cool gadgets that you can control your uh, thermostat by the Internet and this, that, and the other. You don't think that they are want to use that for the future, for regulation? Um, if, if you don't read 1984 sometimes, you might think otherwise. 1984 is their handbook, unfortunately. Why they do it, I don't know. Again, I think it's a religion. I know a lot of people are in it for the money. A lot of people are just completely obsessed with control. And that's one of the reasons. It's like the, what you see with this COVID thing that happened. People just want to control for the sake of control. We had this, uh, what was it? Emergency committee that would meet here in Hillsborough County in Tampa. And they met every week. And every week they extended the emergency. And they were so obsessed with control. I think someone sued them finally and they quit meeting. But... Early days of the of the COVID outbreak, they sent police to take Tom Brady away from the park. Tom Brady was new in town. He was trying to exercise at the park. They sent the police to go tell Tom Brady that he can't be exercising in the park. These people are crazy. These people know no limits. Uh, it's it's like the uh, the quote, you know, the the tyranny. Um, the, the worst tyrant is someone who rules you for their, for their own, uh, for your own benefit, who, who, who rules you, uh, based on what they think should be done for you. That is the worst type of tyranny. And, um, if you, if you don't believe that that will come out of all this, then you haven't been paying attention for the last three years. We had a request to do some more medical news because <clears throat> we, Guess we didn't do enough medical news. So here's some medical news for you. This is from Breitbart, or this is from The Blaze. It says here, Canadian Cancer Society warns transgender women about transphobia during screening for cervical cancer. The Canadian Cancer Society issued advice for transgender women worried about transphobia during cervical cancer screening. The website for the organization has an entry for transgender women that garnered ridicule and mockery online after it was widely circulated. It says... If you're a trans woman, you may not have been given much thought to pap smears and cervical cancers. And if you haven't, that makes a fair amount of sense. After all, in order to get cervical cancer, you need to have a cervix, that is, the organ that connects the vagina to the uterus, the website pointed out. It went on to note that some transgender women may have a small chance of cervical cancer if they have received a particular kind of transitioning procedure. If, however, you're a trans woman who has had bottom surgery to create a vagina, vaginoplasty and possibly a cervix, there is a very small risk that you can develop cancer in the tissues of your neovagina or neocervix. This is from a cancer society. The risk depends on the type of surgery you had, the type of tissue you used to create your vagina and the cervix and your personal health history. Talk to your healthcare provider to figure out if the specific cancer screening needs as part of your overall pelvic health following surgery. Cancer Society also noted some trans men, transgender women might avoid screening out of fear of experiencing transphobia. You might be concerned about things like experiencing transphobia during a screening procedure. They added. Um, Earlier in the week, transgender activists were incensed and outraged after Jordan Peterson denounced the Boston Children's Hospital for promoting penile inversion vaginoplasty for transgender women. There is your uh, update. If you are a transgender woman out there, and you have had your penis tucked inside your body, Uh, apparently you may be at risk for cervical cancer, according to the Canadian Cancer Society, so talk to your physician. This is from Fox News. Uh, Detransitioner Chloe Cole announces lawsuit against hospitals for, quote, pushing her into medical mutilation. So this person, this lady, Chloe Cole, had surgery when she was a child. And she had her breast removed. And now she's mad because she had her breast removed. And they they uh, they they gave her the hormones and puberty blockers and everything else. It says here, uh, the Center for American Liberty sued Kaiser Hospitals on behalf of detransitioner Chloe Cole. Cole for quote pushing her to the medical mutilation instead of properly treating her, according to Cole's lawyer Harmeet Dillon. Between the ages of 13 and 17, Cole underwent a transgender trans- transition, including off label use of puberty blockers, cross sex hormones, and a double mastectomy. Uh, at 13, Cole was struggling with a multitude of mental health comorbidities including anxiety, depression, uh, pubertal struggles, body dysmorphia, learning disabilities, autism spectrum system, symptoms, and concerns about being sexually abused or raped in addition to ongoing confusion regarding her gender. But instead of cross-sex hormones and mutilating surgery, she needed love, care, and attention in regular weekly psychotherapy, according to the lawsuit. Uh, after she was exposed to online transgender influencers... Cole developed the quote erroneous idea that she was a boy. According to the lawsuit, when she told her parents that she thought she was a boy, they didn't know what to do and sought medical guidance from her doctors who quote immediately affirmed Chloe and her self-diagnosed gender dysmorphia. Doctors also told Cole and her parents that her gender dysmorphia dysphoria would not resolve itself and told her parents that she was at high risk for suicide unless she was socially and medically transitioned, asking them would you rather have a dead daughter or a live son, according to the lawsuit? There you go. Oh, it's just, uh, just trying to get people in touch with their, uh, inner, you know, inner self. We're trying to make sure everyone's healthy and happy and everything else. I've always wondered what type of doctor removes the breasts of a child. Uh... To me, that just seems like uh, completely unethical. I know there's doctors that do it. I, I just, you remove the breast of a child. You get, I mean, we have to give such informed consent on everything. You know, you're supposed to give informed consent on, on all of these things. Tell me what the informed consent for removing the breast of a child is. You know, do they go into detail about that? Or do they just cheerlead them along? Oh, you're going to be happy now. You're going to be a boy. You're going to be a girl. Whatever. Take these puberty blockers. Um, We are, as a medical community, between COVID and this, really not doing ourselves a great deal of um, service as far as... Telling uh, uh, assuring people that we are legitimate. I mean, I I mean, this FDA, I mean, sorry, the FDA has just uh, approved these shots now of another booster shot for for children. This is from Daniel Horowitz in the conservative review. Who will stand against the FDA's experimentation on babies? It says, this month we marked the grim three-year anniversary of, quote, 15 days to flatten the curve. The FDA has now utilized emergency use authorization to deem COVID urgent enough to approve a dangerous booster shot on babies for a variant that no longer exists. Even Joe Biden considers COVID no longer to be an emergency, yet a fourth booster of the vaccine that should have never been approved for children even in the thick of COVID, was approved by the FDA's Vaccines and Related Biological Products Advisory Committee on Tuesday. What is shocking is the entire purpose of the bivalent vaccine was in itself an admission that the original shots no longer worked. So the original shots were for the COVID that the CCP made that got out of the lab, that the FBI says, Hoover's boys. Hoover's boys said that CCP, Communist Chinese Party, made this uh, virus and it sneaked out and got out and infected the whole world. And then it mutated. And so what we did was we had this original booster, Donald Trump's um, Operation Warp Speed miracle drug that we got. And then the booster got out and got in everybody's arms. And then we found out, well, guess what? the Delta variant came and then the Omicron. So we need to have new boosters. So they came out with these new boosters, these bivalent booster. And it says, what is shocking is that the entire purpose of the bivalent booster was in itself an admission that the original shots no longer worked. However, the BA4 and BA5 variants are now just as extinct as the previous variants. How could anyone justify training the immune system of babies to respond improperly to new variants based on ones that have been extinct since February? According to the CDC, uh, it says here, some might suggest Republicans lack the power to enact these reforms at present, but this should not stop the red states from rejecting these shots. They're talking about uh, enacting reforms to basically outlaw these shots. On the anniversary of Nuremberg Day last Thursday, uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis held a press conference with his Surgeon General, Dr. Joseph Ladapo. Marking three years since quote 15 days to flatten the curve. This is what Dr. Lada said. These vaccines have a terrible safety profile at the point at this point in the pandemic, you know, I'm not even sure anyone should be taking them. that's the honest truth. Uh, and then it goes on to say that not a single Republican governor or state health official is recommending against these shots for children. I, th- I thought, I thought Laudepo did well, uh, maybe not. anyway, buyer beware I hope it, I hope that there's not something terrible come out about long-term consequences, but you don't know until you know, like Tracy said, we are uh, currently enrolling people in the clinical trial phases of these shots, and if you're getting them and you're in the clinical trial phase and so we'll see what happens uh there's this uh, this college in uh or this at california of course deanza college diversity director says she was fired for questioning school's anti-racism policies a faculty director of the Office of Equity, Social Justice, and Multicultural Education at Anza College in Cupertino, California, says her contract was not renewed after she questioned the school's so-called, quote, anti-racism policies. The diversity director, a black woman, added that she experienced hostility, harassment, and bullying after speaking out. Good for her. So this is, this is her. And so she was questioning their anti-diversity policy or anti-racism policies and got and got um, got fired, or her, her contract wasn't renewed. And um, it takes people like this, because this is a brave woman. She goes on to say that she was uh, harassed after this um, for not doing this. I encountered a lot of hostility, a lot of resistance to me even asking questions, Lee told Fair. Fair is this, uh, this group that now she is uh, being represented by we're working with and she says "Is a it fair is called the foundation against intolerance and racism it says Lee is now receiving support from the nonprofit organization fair and she is not ruling out filing a lawsuit. She should file a lawsuit. She should file a lawsuit. Anyway, she said, so this woman was hired as the uh, diversity director and then it says, Lee added that additional reasons for her contract not being renewed by the college included her declining to join a, quote, socialist network, refusing to use the terms Latinx and Philippinex, and inquiring why the word black was capitalized but not white. Great. Good for her. You know, this lady's a brave woman, because I guarantee you, she, if she had just gone with the flow, she could have had a cushy job. She may have been the vice president of uh, the college at some point for diversity, uh, inclusion, and equity, D.I.E.D.I. She may have been that, <clears throat> but she didn't. She spoke up because she's 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 absolutely right. And why are you going to degrade uh, people by just looking at them according to their their skin color? I was reading on my alma mater's website this weekend. Uh. They have an Office of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. I'm actually the newly appointed uh, vice president here at Echelon Health of Diversity, Inclusion, and Equity. So I'm in charge of all that here. But anyway, they have these resources online, and it says um, it's talking about anti-racism, and and it says what white folks need to know. And It's just it's so degrading. It's degrading to the people who are supposedly out there supporting people of color, because people of color obviously can't do on their own. They have to have these special offices to make sure that they're not uh, taken advantage of because they're inept. And it's also obviously degrading to the people that they then scapegoat as the people who are perpetrating the racism based on their skin color, the whites, It's just so disgusting. You know, this all started in two thousand eight, honest to God. It started in two thousand eight, and Rush Rush predicted this. He predicted that when Barack Obama was elected, that not only would race relations not improve, they would worsen. And they would worsen because the left would exploit racism even more now because they had a bigger platform. And when I say exploit racism, I mean exploit racism for their benefit, meaning they would use racism as a way to take control of all kinds of different things. And they would use racism as a way to perpetuate this idea that people, based on their skin color, have built in disadvantages in life because America sucks, among other things, and because your neighbor sucks because he's white and you're, you're not white and he's oppressing you. And if your neighbor doesn't agree that he sucks because he's white and you're not white and he's oppressing you, then he's uh, he's a he's a supremacist. He's not sufficiently anti-racist. These have these white people that go on talking about being anti-racist and they do things like Joe Joe Biden and say, uh, well, I I may be a white boy, but I ain't stupid. And then they will clap for him. It's disgusting. He's perpetuating racism. And the whole left wing uh, Democrats all perpetuate racism from one side or the other. And they perpetuate racism in order to perpetu to uh, to further their goals and their goals may be political. Uh, their goals may be financial. You know their goals may be professional. You know, if you want to be a grand poobah of diversity, inclusion and equity, die, then maybe you will, uh, you know, write a book and speak and things of this nature. So they use racism like um, I think I think it was Frederick Douglass who said that uh, or maybe it was Booker T. Washington. One of them said that, you know, the people that will use racism to continue uh Basically, there will be people that will come along that will use racism as a way to perpetuate their own their own livelihoods. And um, that's what's happening now. And that's what's that's what the whole race industry is built on. This this is a quote I was trying to tell you about before C.S. <clears throat> Lewis talking about tyrannies. It says of all tyrannies, a tyranny exercised for the good of its victims may be the most oppressive. It may be better to live under robber barons than omnipotent moral busybodies. The robber baron's cruelty may sometimes sleep, whose cupidity may at times be satiated. But those who torment us for our own good will torment us without end, for they do so with the approval of their own conscience. They may be more likely to go to heaven, yet at the same time likelier to make hell of earth. Their very kindness stings with intolerable insult. To be, quote, cured against one's will and cured of states which may not regard as disease is to be put on a level of those who have not yet reached the age of reason, of those who never will. To be classified with infants, imbeciles, and domestic animals. And that's exactly what they do with this climate change. Torment you till they are satisfied that they have reached uh, enough guidance for you, that, that, that you have uh, re- re- you have gotten enough guidance from them that your life is sufficiently made better by them Uh, by reducing your carbon footprint to the pre-industrial age by making you not have a gas stove uh, by by reducing the uh, amount of water that you can run through your toilet by reducing the uh, kind of car you can have reducing whether or not you can have a car uh, by making you do things like um, you know buy certain products from certain industries in order to enrich those industries They have no, there's no end to their, uh, their, uh, their hunger, hunger for control. Like he says here, you know, his, uh, the robber baron's cruelty may sometimes sleep. His cupidity may at some point be satiated, but those who torment us for our, our own good will torment us without end for they do so with the approval of their own conscience. That's what these people do. Oh, one thing before we go this is from Great Britain Great Britain as you may or may not be aware often is the forerunner of bad things to come here in the United States that's what uh, the, the road to serfdom there's a the foreword about that he says that the uh, uh, that Frederick Hayek wrote that the things that we do here in Great Britain Pay attention because two decades later, they're coming to your shores and we are close behind these people. But this is, this is from Huffington post in the UK. It says army recruitment campaign seeks snowflakes, selfie addicts and binge gamers. And this is the recruitment pictures for their army in the UK uh, with her. It says phone zombies. And it has a picture of this woman in an army outfit. Your army needs you and your focus and it says here this is from Instapundit by the way hat tip Instapundit snowflakes your army needs you and your compassion uh, what else aha uh-huh. it says here me 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 millennials your army needs you and your self belief I, when I saw this on Instapundit I thought this was a joke I was sure it was a joke it seems so ludicrous, but it's actually honest-to-God truth. <clears throat> These are army posters, and they are seeking, seeking out meme millennials class clowns, binge gamers, phone zombies, snowflakes, and selfie addicts. And the army needs their potential and assets. They are named as self-belief, spirit, drive, focus, compassion, and confidence. Coming soon to an army near you. Now, this is the army that we're going to use to fight China, right? Supposedly. I don't think China is going to have much of a problem. I think by the time China winds up on our shores, uh, we're pretty much going to just ask them, you know, we'll probably have the keys made for them already and just ask them, you know, what do you want us to park your cars? What do you want us to do? Uh, if it keeps going the way it's going, you know, this Donald Trump thing and with these, uh, he might be arrested Tuesday, he may not be arrested. That's a big thing going on. And then they're talking about uh, Ron DeSantis is not saying enough about it. He needs to speak out against it. I don't know. I think this whole thing with this upcoming election, this is what, March 20th, 2023? In November of 2024, I make a prediction. You're going to see a replay of 2020. You're going to see it come down, whoever the nominee is, Republican or uh, whether it's DeSantis, whether it's, Trump or whether whoever it is, you're going to see a close election and you're going to see the same types of uh, swing states and swing counties swing for the Democrats on the night of the election. Mark my words. I don't believe there's a Republican out there who can beat uh, the walking corpse Joe Biden, not because the walking corpse Joe Biden is any good, but because the Democrats have so figured out how to win elections. They know how to get the votes. They know how to get the ballots. They know how to get them, and whether it's through, uh, you know, ballot harvesting, whether it's through outright fraud, whatever the case is, they know how to get these ballots. The voter turnout for Joe Biden, in in twenty uh, twenty, was worse overall in Democrat cities than it was for Barack Obama. Because he was the worst candidate, except in those swing states and those swing counties where they needed the votes. And in those cases, not only did he do better, he did much, much, much better than Barack Obama. That alone tells you that there's shenanigans going on. And that is why I say it doesn't really matter what Donald Trump says or what Ron DeSantis says and all these people getting worked up about who the nominee is going to be. I don't think that the Republicans have figured out what to do about the Democrat machine, and the Democrats are able to turn elections that are close on a national level no matter what. They can't always turn states. You know, J.D. Vance got elected, but they sometimes can turn states, as in Arizona, they can shut down voting in key precincts for hours at a time. So that's it. Anyway. Have a good week. Uh, We'll talk to you later. Join us online, drtommy.com slash podcast. Thank you for listening. Share with a friend and subscribe. Until next time, bye-bye.